Hey, this is Bible Talk with Jane and Shannon. I'm Jane. And I'm Shannon. And we're back. I don't know for how long, but we're here anyway. And our title today is Repentance, False Religion, and the True Way. And I do want to say this was the this is the title of the Sunday School lesson we're going to have today. But our church went virtual today because of uh, bad roads and it seems wintry around here. Maybe everyone else has uh, sunny weather where they're at, but... So we're home and we don't, uh, we just decided to do a podcast kind of part of this and we'll just see where God leads us. And we're going to be in Luke 13 as we go into this. Oh, yeah. Luke 13, starting in verse 1, and we'll go through as much as we can fit into our time here. So um, I'm going to read that. Okay. Uh, to start with, I'm going to read Luke 13, 1 through 5. Okay. At that time, some people were, were there who told Jesus that Pilate had killed some people from Galilee while they were worshiping. He mixed their blood with the blood of the animals they were sacrificing to God. Jesus answered, Do you think this happened to them because they were more sinful than all others from Galilee? No, I'll tell you. But unless you change your hearts and lives, you will be destroyed as they were. What about those 18 people who died when the Tower of Siloam fell on them? You think they were more sinful than all the others who lived in Jerusalem? No, I tell you. But unless you change your hearts and lives, you will all be destroyed too. That's Luke 1, or 13, 1 through 5. Now, I know Jesus is talking about repentance. Like, I don't care what kind of lives you live, it, you still have to repent. But when I read that, um, I thought, if you compare this to when Pilate was talking to Jesus and how Pilate was saying to everyone he's innocent, how he wanted to get Jesus off. That really shows the power of Jesus because here he didn't care about these people. So he must've been a violent man. Mm -hmm. But when he was with Jesus, he did whatever he could to try to get him off. I mean, that really, I hadn't thought about that. So that's interesting. Yeah. You know, I mean, it shows the power that was right there with Jesus and he was in awe. But the other thing I see here when I look at this and I've, I've heard this from Christians Mm -hmm. today, um, and Jesus is calling out the hypocrisy here a little bit of the belief at this point in time. Mm-hmm. And it's still a belief today that, you know, bad things happen because people are bad. Mm-hmm. And that if this happens to you, it's because there's some sin in your life that caused this to happen to you. And and I've even heard Christians trying to repent. They don't know what to repent for, but they, they must have done something wrong for God to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, and that you're right. That's a bad, bad thing. Well, and, and it's the same. There are the people that will look at them and say, well, there must be some hidden sin in their life for this would yes. happen. You know, so Jesus brings it out to them and, you know, they come to him in shock because Pilate did this. And it's a shocking thing yeah. to kill people and mix their blood with animals for a Roman sacrifice. Yeah. That's a shocking thing. And people says, and Jesus says to them, do you think that those people are any worse than anybody else in Galilee? Mm-hmm. Because Pilate chose them out? Or do you think that when this tower fell over and killed a bunch of people, a natural disaster is what he's talking about here. Mm. A natural disaster killed those people. You think those people were were bad people? Mm. And Jesus says, no. I'll tell you, there's, there was nothing about their end that was justified by their currency. But he said, what you, unless you change your ways, you're going to be destroyed. No no different than they were. And 
um, when he's talking about destruction here, he's talking about the soul then. He's talking mm-hmm. about the destruction of our soul. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. And it is so interesting how people, even those who know better, fall into this thing that yeah. if I'm good, good things will happen. If I'm bad, bad things will happen. And then even how people do. I think basically I'm a good person. Yeah. How many times have we heard that? I'm a good person. I think I'm a good person. I try to be a good person. Yeah. Um, that's not the point. And then the even, point is not trying to be a person. Yeah. At all. The point is trying to follow Christ and be a child of God. That's different. No matter how, and I do your sermon today. It, hey, you need to listen. Go to Greenbrook Preacher Podcast. Wait a few minutes if you if this is like right away because I haven't loaded it up yet. But it's called Hope in Today's World. And this goes with it, not on purpose, but it just kind of happened in that um, people sometimes too, they feel they're living a good life. Even Christians, you know, I'm trying hard to worship God and then this catastrophe happens. And, you, and, and the reaction is, God, why'd you let this happen? I'm doing my best for you. And that's not the point. The point is no. we live in a fallen world. And like you said today, the suffering allows us to shine for Jesus and to, oh, you said something so good. Okay. I, I'm opening my notebook to write my notes because I thought this was well, really good. I know. Thanks for your patience. Um uh, first, you said Ephesians four one to live a life worthy of my calling. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess that's you were reading, but uh, uh, I don't know what I was going to say, but it's okay. really good. <laughs> Sorry. Well, and I think it's easy for us to fall back on the the human constructs, even within our faith. I go to church every Sunday. Yeah, I tithe. I, you know, I, I'm there on Wednesday nights. My kids are always in Sunday school. You know, I don't swear. I don't. Okay. Wonderful. And those are all good things. And don't quit doing them. I mean. Of course not. Of course not. Please give to your church. Please attend your church. Please spend time in fellowship. But when something comes along and challenges that, we shouldn't think that we are earning enough points that we don't have to go through what every other human being has to go through. Yeah. Everybody's going to run into things that are going to challenge them. And it does, you, you're not ever going to leave this world. Uh, when you only, when you leave this world, will you be qualified to be beyond that? Yeah. Right now we're going to go through it. So someone might say, well, what, what's the benefit of being a Christian? If you're going to suffer the same darn things that Mr. Evil man does, the benefit is, is that Jesus will help us through everything. I mean, we can rely on God's strength to get through the same thing that mm-hmm. someone else has to get through, but we don't have to do it alone. We don't have to do anything alone. Right. And so that's exciting. Why don't you read this quote here? I like okay. it from Dave Guzik. Okay. We normally, and this is from Dave Guzik is on bluelettlebible.com. We normally think of some people as good and some people as bad and find it easy to believe that God should allow good things to happen to good people bad things to bad people. Jesus corrected this thinking, but Jesus' point was not that the Galileans in question were innocent. His point was that they were simply not more guilty than the others. All were and are guilty. There you go. Because we have to repent. Right. And that's basically what he's telling these people. Um, 
the the blessing that they're hearing they're able to hear this the blessing that they're able to hear Jesus say okay that wasn't you so better repent now mm. now, repent now would be now. a good time for you to fix yeah. this the day of salvation is today that's in right. scripture somewhere so so let's go I'll I'll continue on I'll read a little okay. bit more I'm just going to read uh, six through nine the fig tree here okay. Jesus told this story. I love the fact that Jesus used analogies and stories. That was a cultural thing at the time um, that anybody who was teaching would use stories. And the stories can have many different meanings on how you, on, to you personally as you look through them and you see things and you understand things. Um, that's why I really love the fact that we can get into the Bible and we have the technology to get into a concordance or we get mm-hmm. the technology to look at commentaries. So we can get all sorts of different perspectives out of this. But in the end, it's just you and you and the word. So you have to figure out how that applies to you. So Luke 13, starting in verse 6, Jesus told this story. A man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard. He came looking for some fruit on the tree, but he found none. So the man said to his gardener, I've been looking for fruit on this tree for three years, but I never find any. Cut it down. Why should we waste the ground? But the servant answered, Master, let the tree have one more year to produce fruit. Fruit. Let me dig up the dirt around it and put on some fertilizer. If the tree produces fruit next year, good. But if not, you can cut it down. Mm. Oh, so what's Jesus saying there? Well, when I I think there's all sorts of different things that it can apply to, but when I read this or heard you read it, I'm thinking the man is like God, the vineyard is this world, and then he's the, vin- the the fig tree is a believer. I, I mean, it, this is one way to look at it. I'm sure there's other. It could be. I think there is. I, I, I see similarities there. And I see Jesus interceding the way the oh, servant Oh, he could answers. be the servant. Yeah. God, let's give him another year. How and... many times in the Bible have we seen that, though? Um, Noah. God just said, I'm starting over. Yeah. Cut it down, burn it down. I'm going to replant different different seeds. Yeah. He went to Moses and said, I'm going to take out Israel. Yeah. And Moses talked him out of it. Yeah. But it was one of those things where at this point in time, the expectation was three years in, you should be, fig trees should bear way before three years. But three years in, and especially if you're not producing fruit, then you're not a fig tree anymore. Yeah. And you're that's... not producing what you're supposed to produce. Does that make you what does that make that tree? Well, that tree is then worthless because worthless. The, the worth of that tree is the fruit it produces. Right. So, and then that's, I want to uh, read this scripture from John, John fifteen sixteen, which this is Jesus speaking. You did not choose me. I chose you and I gave you this work to go and produce fruit, fruit that will last. Then the father will give you anything you ask for in my name. So I, our job is to produce fruit. And if we're not producing fruit, does this mean he's going to cut us down? I mean, it, it, whatever that means, that should like make us a little sober about it, thinking whatever it means, it's not good. I mean, mm-hmm. if a tree is cut down, it's it's gone. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what that means for us in relation to our faith, but if we're not producing fruit, which like you in your sermon, character will produce the fruit. Perseverance, then character, then hope. We have to persevere. We just got to keep going and not give up. And that will produce the fruit, the character, the fruit. The... Well, think about 
we have some fig trees that aren't fig trees at our place. Um, Wait, we have fig trees? We have fig trees that aren't fig trees. We have fruit trees. Oh, fruit trees that, that have, have not planted. produced anything. And we have planted them, of course, because we want their fruit. So we've planted apple trees, a pear tree, even a peach tree. And they're all supposed to be rated for our weather and everything else. But I think about those trees. Some of them started really tiny. They weren't very big. Yeah. And they are growing well. Yeah, they're growing. Um, they have leaves. And in doing that, they are persevering because we get winter. We get this bitterly cold weather and the wind and all those other things going on. And they're growing. And the hope is that they will bear fruits in the near future. Yeah. But... This fig tree has had every chance it can have. But what I love about the servant, this thing that Jesus, as a servant of God, says, can you give us just one more season? Mm. And if you give me that one more season, if you give this tree one more season to exist, I'll dig up the dirt around it. I'll loosen the dirt. I'll pull out the weeds. I'll add fertilizer. I'll do what I can Mm. to dry. But... If it doesn't produce next year, I agree. Let's cut it down. Whew. But I'm going to get. I want to give it one more chance. And I think of the fertilizer as being the Word of God. Mm. Jesus gave us so much in the Gospels. Yeah. And the New Testament was such an addition to what was already written. And our Bible um, has so much more to it. Uh, I was reading. We were talking this week about the Sadducees and the Pharisees. Mm-hmm. The Sadducees uh, did not believe. In anything, the resurrection. No, yeah, they did not believe in the resurrection, but they also did not believe that anything other than Pentateuch should be considered a scripture. Oh. The writing of the prophets, etc., were not. The Pharisees oh. included the writings of the prophets mm-hmm. and other Whatever. wise sayings yeah. and stuff like that. We have the entire Bible, so we have all of the prophets and all of the Old Testament all thrown in there, and we have all of the New Testament. How much more fertilizer do you want? Right. It's all there. And by loosening up the dirt around the tree, you allow more nutrients to get in. And you allow more moisture to go down to the roots. You allow all that kind of stuff. And Jesus said, I am going to come and teach and preach and heal and reveal the, the word of God. And I am going to leave the Holy Spirit behind. Okay, we have all these things. Yeah. If you refuse to change, yeah. then you cut down. There's a, a, a even if you put on the even if you put on the fanciest leaves, it's still not fruit, right? Because it's very disappointing. Like our apple trees, they're well, very disappointing. This isn't the first fig tree that is mentioned in the Gospels. No, and I, I was just thinking, there's a there's a I'll see if I can find it in scripture, um, where it's in Ezekiel or Isaiah. But break up your fallow ground. Hmm. I'm seeing so the people themselves are break up your fallow ground, your hard ground. And it's, this is a horrible concordance in this book. So if you can look that up, maybe. No, you, I'm looking something else up. Oh, okay. So well, it, in Scripture, we're commanded, break up the fallow ground. If you feel your heart is hard, there are times I have felt like maybe my heart is growing a little hard in a situation. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to be that way. Then I can allow God. God will show you if you're a little hard. And then you mm-hmm. just need to respond to that and let him break it up. But we can ignore it and just get bitter and resentful. If you ever find yourself starting to feel a little resentment or bitterness or anything, pettiness, say, oh, Lord, break this fellow, this hardness of my heart up. And he will. That's not his, that's never his will for anyone to have a hard heart. 
Because if we have a hard heart, we can't, we aren't teachable. Mm-hmm. We're arrogant. We're prideful. I mean, not, when we have a hard heart, it is the worst of humanity. We are at the worst, I think, in a sense. I think so, too. I think yeah. it can be. Um, I'm going to bring up a passage from Mark, Mark 11, and this, okay. is, this is another fig tree um, oh, reference here. Yeah. And I did a little research on it. We talked about this. Week. Yeah, this was good. Yeah. Um, starting in Mark 11, verse 12, it says, The next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry, seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf. He went to find out if it had any fruit. But when he searched it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Then he said to the tree, May no one ever eat fruit from you again. Wow. Okay. So it wasn't the season. What does that mean? Why Why is Jesus cursing the fig tree? It's kind of a weird deal. But um, And from our English English translations, mm-hmm. it sounds like it's not the season. So Jesus, what you looking for fruit for? You know, but you explained to me there's more to it than that, which I really appreciated because for often I kind of felt sorry for the fig tree. But what you said. Well, the research that I did talking about it, it talked about the, the reality of a fig tree. Okay. Okay. So uh, fig, the fruit on a fig tree appears before the leaves do. Okay. Which is very unique. Yes. And because the fruit's green to start with. And then the leaves come and it blends right into it. So until it's almost ripe, the figs are, are hidden hidden in the leaves. So when Jesus and his disciples saw that it had leaves, they expected it would have fruit. Okay. The fruit should be growing beforehand and it's just hidden in the leaves. So let's go over and find it. And when they went over there, uh, some fig trees can, can produce as many as three crops a year. Wow. So it says it was not the season. It, that it's not this there would be an early crop and two later crops um and some trees even produce 12 months a year in certain parts of israel wow so jesus disciples are looking for fruit even though it was not the main growing season you would expect there'd be something left okay and there was nothing oh it was a tree full of leaves that did nothing so again Jesus cursed the fig tree here. It's the same thing as what he's talking about in his story where he says, cut it down. Yeah. It's not producing fruit. So that even, if I put that in relation to our lives as believers, we could be producing fruit 12 months out of the year mm-hmm. for Jesus. Should be. Should be. Wouldn't that be great if apple trees produced a... Well, that's a lot of apples. That'd be great. It'd be awesome. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. so... What should we do now? Should we keep going? Yeah. Read this part. Okay. Here's another instance of um, the synagogue leaders having a conflict with Jesus over the Sabbath. Which, like I said, going to church on Sunday, I highly encourage it. I recommend it. The Bible says we should be doing it. It's all there. Keep the Sabbath day holy is one of the Ten Commandments. All of those things are there. However... The the sin of the religious leadership in Jesus' time was adding adding to the scripture. Adding their own man-made rules to what God had already said. So, here we go. Starting in verse 10. Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath day. Teaching on the Sabbath was normal. Mm -hmm. Um, When they went to the synagogue, there would be different rabbis teaching in different places. And people would gather around them and they would teach. They 
no one ever challenged Jesus' right to teach in the synagogue. That is interesting. They called him rabbi. Mm -hmm. The Pharisees would call him rabbi. Mm -hmm. They knew he, they called him teacher. They knew that he had the right to teach. That was not their question. But starting in verse 11, a woman was there who for 18 years had an evil spirit in her that made her crippled. Her back was always bent. She could not stand up straight. Now, I love this part. When Jesus saw her, he called her over. Mm. She didn't come to him. He went to her and yes. said, come to me, woman. And he said, woman, you are free from your sickness. And Jesus put his hands on her. And immediately she was able to stand up straight and began praising God. The synagogue leader was angry because Jesus healed on the Sabbath. He said to the people, there are six days when one has to work. So come to be healed on one of those days, not on the Sabbath day. I, the hardness of heart that it would take to see a miracle like this happen. She was crippled for 18 years. And everybody would have known that in the town. Yeah. Jesus is, is preaching in the synagogue, and everybody has seen this woman before. It's not a new thing for them. And she's probably an elderly woman. I would, I would, I'm just I assuming know. for 18 years, or she, her body would have looked elderly by being bent over. Right. So no matter how old she was, so. But, and then Jesus heals her, and the first thing the synagogue leader sees is not the miracle, oh, yeah. but the man-made rule that was broken. Yeah. And we have to be very careful as Christians that that's not who we turn into. Yeah. Um, I was working in my shop the other day, working on some spurs, and um, there was a song that came on about, it was an old outlaw country song that mm -hmm. came on about a guy that um, was listening to the beautiful choir singing and stuff and heard it and went into the church and they said, sorry, we can't let you sit here if you're not the way you're dressed. Oh. Just the, the rule yeah. This is this is a rule for us that you have to do this to receive, you know, the the blessing of fellowship. And I, I, the synagogue leader said, "Come and get healed on one of those other days." Now, there's there's two problems with that, of course. Obviously, the hypocrisy of all that. Secondly, Jesus was very mobile. Yeah, he might not. He be didn't there. run doctor's hours on the synagogue from nine to five. I'll be sitting here. He was all over the place. And this woman was there, and Jesus was there, and Jesus healed her because she was there. Interesting. Like you said, she didn't, Jesus called her, he initiated the whole thing. Yeah, most, but, of, most of the times we see these things in the Bible, they come to him. Yeah, and so the synagogue leader, really, if he was going to get angry at somebody, he should have spoke directly to Jesus. But it's like he's a coward, so he speaks to the woman instead of Jesus. He didn't confront Jesus on why did you do this today? I mean, that would have been almost a, an open question. He could have, Jesus could have addressed it. Instead, he condemns the woman who was just there to worship God, condemned the one that was, isn't going to talk back to him. Mm. You know, I don't know. But, but Jesus did answer them. So yes. in verse 15, the Lord answered, you hypocrites. Does each of you untie your work animals and lead them to drink water every day, even on the Sabbath? And yes, if you have animals, if you have livestock, you will care for them every day, even on the Sabbath. It doesn't make a difference there. And then he says, the woman I, this woman that I healed, the daughter of Abraham, has been held by Satan for 18 years. Surely it's not wrong for her to be freed from her sickness on the Sabbath day. Is it not? When Jesus said this, all those who were criticizing him were ashamed, but the entire crowd rejoiced at all the wonderful things Jesus was doing. 
So the people were rejoicing and the synagogue leaders were ashamed because he had confronted them on their own hypocrisy. Mm. So first of all, you would do the bare minimum. Don't say you don't. Yeah. And secondly, someone just got healed in God's house on God's day. Yeah, if God didn't, obviously God did the healing. So are you saying God was wrong when he was decided? God, was God wrong on the Sabbath? Yeah. Because so, this is a miraculous healing and power comes from God. So the only way this could happen was God doing this and what more appropriate day yeah. could there be than to do it on the Sabbath? That is and crazy. That's all he said to them, you hypocrites. And he said that and it says they were ashamed. No, they knew they were wrong. Mm-hmm. It didn't say that they admitted it or anything. They right. just said they were ashamed. But everybody else applauded. Mm. And maybe they're ashamed because the other ones were excited and rejoiced and applauded. However they rejoiced, maybe they did feel ashamed just because of that. Or maybe they felt ashamed because they were convicted, which we could, could hope. That could would be, be the best part. Yes. And then Jesus, um, we go into... Well, before we do that, yeah. one of your questions here I really like. Okay. Says, Compare this story of John 15 to John fifteen sixteen, which says, You did not choose me, I chose you. And I gave you this work, to go and produce fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you anything you ask for in his name. So we've got the fig tree, we're talking about that, and the production of fruit. So what does that what does that mean if we compare that that statement? Mm-hmm. I gave you this work, go and produce fruit fruit that will last. It's fruit that will last. Mm-hmm. Well, like I had said before, I see that as that we're supposed to be producing fruit regularly, like seasonally or maybe 12 months out of the year but then and the fruit that will last we talk about the fruit that will last it reminded me of jesus at the well with the woman he said it if you knew who i was you would ask me to give you water water that will never and you will never be thirsty again that fruit that will last if as we share and we further the kingdom the fruit that will last is if we add to the kingdom The fruit that will last, if we produce fruit and then those seeds grow and produce fruit and those seeds grow and produce fruit, that's fruit that lasts. Mm. I just imagine the generations there. We have yeah. a guy here who lives near us in Lantry here, um, an old bachelor who uh, we got rhubarb from this year because our rhubarb, nothing grew for us this year. It was a terrible drought year in, in our gardens and everything. Even my down. hollyhocks look pathetic. Even the... Even the rhubarb didn't come up. So we got some rhubarb from him. And I went over to pick it up. And he got in his side-by-side, told me to hop in. And we drove around where his rhubarb was. And he told me I took a cutting, or he took a a root from one place somewhere a long time ago because somebody had good rhubarb. And he said, I had 290 plants or something at one time. Wow. And they all came from that first one. Oh, wow. That, That was fruit that lasted yeah it was fruit that spread it went from one to the next to the next to the next so you have generations Mm -hmm. of fruit being produced and i think that's what the fruit that lasts is i think that's exactly what he's talking about Mm -hmm. i think our fruit should be generational fruit Mm. fruit that produces fruit and and more fruit and more fruit and more fruit you know you've gotten quite a green thumb and 
I look around our house and all of our windows, even here in the wintertime. For some reason, geraniums took off for you. I know you've tried plants in the the past and it didn't necessarily work, but geraniums took off off for you. And right now in the window right in front of me, we have one, two, three, four geranium plants. Mm -hmm. All four of them have blooms on them. They are different shades and colors, but they all came from basically the same beginning. Possibly. And then I have... We have, She started plants with cuttings from red ones and gotten pink ones. It's amazing. Yeah, I don't know how they... But I, they have... I, but it... I don't know how, God does it. Yeah, God does but, it. But it's just amazing to me how that happens. Mm-hmm. And they are pretty. Well... Jesus goes back to, back to his analogies here next. Oh, right. So then we go Starting to... Verse 18. Yeah. Do you want to read? Okay. Starting in verse 18, then... Je- Then Jesus said, what is God's kingdom like? What can I compare it with? So again, he's doing these analogies as teaching in the the synagogue. It is like a mustard seed that a man plants in his garden. The seed grows and becomes a tree and the wild birds nest in its branches. Jesus said again, what can I compare God's kingdom with? It's like yeast that a woman took and hid in a large tub of flour until it made all the dough rise. So... Those are the last two analogies we're going to cover here for time's sake. Oh, right, right. Um, the first one is, if you've ever seen a mustard seed, you know, there's Jesus in another part of the gospel says, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can tell this mountain to go and the mountain mm-hmm. will move. Mustard seeds are tiny, itty-bitty little seeds. That's what we actually have in mustard. Oh, right. That's seeds mm-hmm. that are, they grind up those tiny little seeds and gives us that spicy condiment that we like so much. But he said... Everybody there sitting around him would understand the concept of planting a mustard seed and having something big enough that birds can build nests in it Mm -hmm. from a tiny little seed. So God's kingdom is like a tiny little seed that will produce enough that birds can nest in it. Mm -hmm. And the second one is the yeast. And I love this analogy because you make bread, and Mm -hmm. I've been around people that make bread all my life. And I've seen the great big bread bowls Mm -hmm. or the great big bread tubs that people used to Mm -hmm. use. And the way yeast grows is you mix it in with the flour and you walk away and leave it alone. That's right. Mm-hmm. And it does it while you're not there. Mm-hmm. It works. And, and water. Yeah. Yeah. But it will work. It's a living thing and it will work. And it raises the bread and brings the gluten out and makes all that nice, wonderful bread we love. So the two, two analogies here. The first one is the little seed can grow the big tree. Second one, little yeast added to the flour changes the flour completely. That's true. Now it doesn't turn it into yeast, right? But it changes it. Mm-hmm. So, in the first one, you plant a little seed; it will grow, and it will have thousands of seeds, and it will also um, be completely changed by itself. The second one is everything around it will change. Mm-hmm. And God wants us to be yeast. Mm. He wants us to change the world. Mm-hmm. He should be able to put us in the world and walk away. And we bear the fruit. Or we rise the flower. Or we grow into the trees that we're meant to be. Mm-hmm. The seeds that are planted. I would love to have been... I'm not a reporter, you're the reporter. But I would love to have sat down with people after Jesus left... 
So what do you think about what he said? And mm -hmm. hear how people took those analogies. And I would have loved to heard from someone who lived at the time in the place what their thoughts were on the analogies. Because it, it would probably deepen my understanding immensely. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's why I love having Sunday school and I like doing these podcasts with you. And it's something I encourage all of you to do. I encourage you all to get yourself into fellowship somewhere where you can gather with other people that are like-minded, who are curious, who are searching, who are trying to find out uh, to digest and, and to chew on these, these parts of the gospel. Mm -hmm. And in doing so, talk about it. Mm -hmm. so we really you know, do learn from each other. As a pastor, I get up every Sunday and I, I try and listen to God and I try and speak what God tells me to speak. But that's just me speaking. Mm -hmm. God speaks to every one of us. And he speaks to each of us in different ways about different things. And he may speak to someone who needs to speak to me, mm -hmm. who needs to show me what God showed them. Um, that is such a blessing. Mm -hmm. And I think it is very healthy uh, you're going to find your best fruit growing in an orchard. Oh, that's a good Not by point. itself. Mm -hmm. By itself, it has it's challenged mm -hmm. because almost all fruit trees are pollinated from other trees. The mm -hmm. trees, the right. bees, the lovely little bees mm -hmm. take pollen from one flower to another flower. And, we, and if you live in an orchard where there's a lot of pollen around, it's very easy for those to be pollinated and they produce well. Right. It's why we plant orchards. The way we do. Mm -hmm. Why we plant, plant them in rows next to each other. Mm -hmm. That's a great analogy. And I think... It's, it is hard to grow would, when you're alone. And I would encourage you to seek out those people that you can share with, um, that you can study with, that you can look at God's Word and say, what do you think about that? Mm -hmm. I love to be in discussions and hear people's thoughts. Me it's, too. It's special. Well, thanks for listening. Yeah. It's so I'm, nice. I hope we do this again soon. I hope you got something out of this. I hope that it, it uh, causes you to get into your Bible and you to do a little research. Um, as always, if there's something you want us to talk about or, or something you want to discuss with us, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for listening. Bye. God bless.